What is good, Aunt Bush? And welcome, welcome to interview 100 of the Desert Tiger Podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's that exciting. It is interview 100. After two and a half years, we have finally reached this moment. Here with me, your host on the podcast, my name is Colton G. And this week on the DTP, I am joined by Ayla Tesler Mabe of Ludic. We're going to be giving you a description about Ludic and Ayla here very quickly. But first, we have to jump into a little bit of business, tell you about what's going on with the Tiger. If you guys headed on over to ilovedtp.com to check out the new hats and beanies that we recently have released, if yeah, they're pretty dang sick. You're going to look amazing in it. I can already tell. I can already tell that it fits you perfectly, and you can check it out and grab it on over at ilovedtp.com so you can rep the show everywhere you go. You can also head on over to our YouTube channel at Desert Tiger Ent and check out the vlog we've been releasing recently. We're going to be releasing episode 6 this upcoming week, and you don't want to miss it. Yeah. It's like that. All right. What do you say we get into describing Ludic for you? Yeah, let's go. Ludic, showing spontaneous and undirected playfulness. With the energy that comes from Ludic sound, you quickly understand that it's probably one of the best ways to describe this trio that has been classified as Alien Motown and soul funk jazz pop yes that's one word and yes it's all caps a little over a year since releasing their first track together and the group has already begun to gain a heavy momentum being named top 10 in cbc's most recent searchlight competition receiving over 1 million spotify streams and opening for high level acts like Catfish and a Bottleman, to name a few of their feats. Well, you can add their new single, Love Me Like, to that list, because it's about to accomplish the feat of being jammed, stuck, directly inside of your head. The group is made up of the Cunningham brothers, Max and Rhett, along with Ayla Tesler Mabe, all accomplished multi-instrumentalists, that continue to prove their consistency with writing addictive tunes brought together by a local jam session. Ayla Tesler Mabe has built herself quite a reputation with her guitar skills as well, learning from the Musicians Institute of Hollywood, earning a chance to work with prestigious brands like Fender, and even building a YouTube following with over 14 million views. Ayla Tesler Mabe of Ludic joins the DTP to discuss how she met the Brothers Cunningham and how together they have been spreading their style of spontaneous energy with songs like their new single Love Me Like which we are going to be playing for you guys right now before we jump into this conversation with Ayla. So why don't we go ahead and give that a spin. This is Ludic's brand new single. It dropped today. This is Love Me Like. I know that you want it. See that you got it. Stuck in my head. Nah, nah. Let me go and say it Your heart is overrated No one for me The one thing that I ever really wanted from you Put me in your field of view Let me like I why I'm elated by your side But I'm hated So let me
today it's beautiful and sunny outside how are you good i'm doing quite well thank you yeah it's not beautiful and sunny i would just say beautiful because every day is beautiful in some way i guess but yeah i'm doing okay thanks every day is a gift so i agree with this sentiment yeah there we go (laughs) i like the mindset i like the mindset for sure all right so you're ready to rock out an interview here eh? yeah let's do it all right fantastic so ludic's new single love me like drops today may the first but of course we want to get into a little bit of the details of how Ludic Matt, and we want to get into a little bit of the details of how Ayla Tesla Mabe got to this point as well. So I want to get a little bit into your background. I saw that you started picking up stringed instruments pretty young. What exactly influenced you to start with music? It's a good question. I have always loved music since before I even knew that you yourself could actually create it. I thought it was just something that existed, <laughs> you know, when I was younger, something that was always playing around the house. And it wasn't until my mom introduced my brother and I to the video game Rock Band that I realized that you could at the very least play a video game that allowed you to pretend like you were creating music. And then that led me to realize that you could actually yourself pick up an instrument and create music and uh, that's when I really just fell in love with the idea of being a musician even before I obviously was that I at that point really wanted to play guitar because I fell in love with the Beatles Uh, and my parents are very generous they helped me find a little starter guitar I took like two lessons and then I just kind of left it at that point Uh, and it just I don't know, it just wasn't the right time for me to get into music, I suppose. But I did start playing the cello at that point when I was eight because we had to pick an instrument in the school orchestra or school band. And I chose the cello. And I loved the cello until I started turning it on its side and pretending like it was a bass guitar. And that was the moment when I realized I should probably start playing the bass guitar. 
and I did. Uh, I was, I believe, 10 at the time, and I loved it. And then that, again, reignited this sort of drive to play the electric guitar, because I've just always felt so drawn to that instrument, more so than any other instrument. But uh, more so than any other instrument, yeah. But what's funny is I actually just got off the phone uh, with a music store nearby to rent a cello again, because I want to get back into playing the cello and, you know, orchestral stringed instruments. But yeah, that's sort of where it began for me. Oh, wow. So the influence is taking you back to your roots now. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So... It, were you taking it like very seriously once you were playing the cello and bass? Like, were you learning music theory at that point, or were you getting more adept with that once you actually started to transition more to the guitar? Mm, yeah, I definitely don't think music theory was really on my mind at all. I think I just wanted to play, uh, play first and foremost. And that being said, when I started playing the bass, I funnily enough, uh, almost immediately started playing in the jazz combo. I went to a fairly small school, uh, but also my teacher saw that I was really passionate. So when their like, grade 10 or 11 bass player couldn't make it, their next call was the little 11-year-old girl who <laughs> just started playing. And so, I mean, I could read music uh, quite well at that time, which is funny because now I most certainly would not consider myself someone who is particularly good at sight reading, uh, you know, like notes on a staff. Uh, I think chord sheets are another story just because with guitar being in a bunch of big bands throughout high school, that was something I was sort of forced to do. But yeah, with guitar, I think that's when I really started getting into theory. And it was because of that big band stuff and the introduction to jazz. Uh, it was sort of like the slow descent into the pits of music theory darkness because once you're there you just keep going deeper and deeper into it and it's I mean it's amazing I love it and uh, it has hasn't changed my perspective on the way I feel music and the way I hear music or see music uh, beyond giving me the ability to I guess understand it and so I guess it's just as I approached all of these instruments, first and foremost, wanting to play them and like make music and figure out how to, you know, emote through them. Then I guess the next logical step was figuring out like, why did those sounds sound the way they did and make me feel the way they did? Uh, which obviously sometimes you can't explain with words or theory, but it is pretty cool to be able to hear that wonderful Stevie Wonder chord progression where he goes to, you know, like a, a four, diatonic major four, and then a minor four, and then a flat seven, seven, and resolves it back to the one chord. And then you can say, hey, I want to write a song using that. And then you know how to do it because you figured it out with music theory. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. I love the depth that you're giving here. Awesome. I love it. So at what point did you start uh, releasing your YouTube content, making your own videos and editing those as well of you learning these different various songs? That was probably right when I was 12 because I had a friend uh, named Jack, who's still a great friend of mine, uh, who at that time was a photographer, and he still is, uh, but he loved photography, I loved music, and we both sort of challenged each other to make Instagram accounts where we would just like post, you know, he would post photos, I would post music. And then from there, it just, I don't know, it kind of made sense to be using that as a way for myself to push myself and track my progress on the instrument, but also just to share with other people. And slowly over time, I just saw how it gave me this really incredible platform to share with people. Uh, and yeah, it started with Instagram and then the idea was I'd use Instagram to help for when I wanted to eventually make a YouTube channel and I could sort of drive that traffic in that direction. And yeah, that was sort of my mindset with that. Hmm. And you did drive quite a bit of traffic there. You've got like over 4 million views, I think, from what I had seen. 14 million views. Ah, 
that's a that's a heavy flow traffic jam right there. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> qu- quite a bit of traffic. Hopefully, nobody got hurt in the process. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, at what point do you start beginning to play in other bands that aren't just like the high school bands that normally you would get through classes? Mm, yeah, that was kind of right around when I got into the bass. About a year later, I started playing in this all-kids uh, Led Zeppelin cover band, and we played at the Vancouver Art Gallery a bunch of times, which is just one of my favorite memories. I, I still look back at that and smile all the time. That was kind of the first time. And then from there, I mean, I was thinking about it today. I played with a lot of musicians, uh, younger and older, sat in with a lot of bands, tried jamming with like a lot of people. And I guess that's just sort of been uh, prevalent ever since I started playing in that Led Zeppelin cover band. I would just go to like every jam session and every open mic I possibly could and sit in with every band I possibly could in the area. And yeah, that's sort of where it began. Okay, fantastic. So uh, definitely a lot of jamming. So is someone that a lot of people nowadays would consider a guitar virtuoso, a lot of people that know that you can shred sometimes would be like when they see you playing in a band like Ludic or a band like Calpurnia might think that, oh, well, this isn't necessarily like the full of your ability, but at the same time, like you are writing what the song needs, not necessarily what your abilities are capable of. So did you learn that from those various jam sessions or was that something that you learned while you were learning theory? Oh, wow. Uh, well, I firstly really appreciate you saying that. That's very, uh, those are very kind words. Thank you. Uh, well, I, I guess this is one of those things where, you know, people, when they're trying to make a case against theory, they're like, see, theory doesn't teach you feel and emotion and, you know, playing with sensibilities of the context of the whole song. And I mean, that's true. So at the end of the day, no, it wasn't theory really at all. It was uh, experiencing other musicians. And then I remember I had this amazing humbling moment right when I started playing guitar, where I saw this other young kid who's about my age playing Soul Shine by the Almond Brothers. And I tried to play it as well. And I listened to his version and I listened to my version. And I'm like, my version just sucks compared to his. And it's like, we're playing the same notes. We're bending at the same time. We're doing all the same stuff. But his version just had all of the soul in it. And mine really didn't. And then that was just like getting hit over the head with this realization that there is something more to what makes someone great on an instrument. Uh, Not to say that I am great, but just sort of like with that awareness of like, how can I always push myself further? And at the end of the day, uh, I'm of the belief that it doesn't really matter how good of a guitar player you are if you're playing over a bad song. And there's this incredible quote by Quincy Jones. I'm sort of paraphrasing, but it's this idea of, uh, I think he said something like, you could take the best singer in the world and have them sing over a terrible song. And it's still a terrible song, but, you know, have the worst singer in the world sing over an incredible song and you can, you know, make them a star. Uh, Basically to say that at the end of the day, it's always about the song first. And uh, the only reason I play guitar is to create music that, you know, moves people in some way. And so like, yeah, maybe when I'm considering laying down a solo in the studio, I could play you know, a much more technically flashy triplet run or something like that. But maybe that's just not what the song calls for. And at the end of the day, that's sort of what I'm thinking about first and foremost. Like what serves the song? What serves the music? How am I going to be able to reach people emotionally? And yeah, that's a good question though. Thank you. No no worries. No worries at all. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So let's touch a little (laughs) bit into your first, um, band that I guess broke, we would say, that being Calpurnia. What was that experience Mm. like for you, being a young musician, suddenly being thrust into a spotlight, being featured on shows like Jimmy Kimmel, being, like, having the opportunities to go at things like NAMM, touring, playing sold-out shows? 
at such a young age. Was that overwhelming for you? What was the experience like? Wow. I mean, it was a bit of all of the above. Uh, I think what I take away most from that experience is just how I was given this unbelievable opportunity to learn firsthand what it's kind of like to be in the industry doing all of those things. But learning about it in such a sheltered environment because, you know, to be completely, completely honest, like I know when we sold out a show and let's say there were 2,000 people there, I I knew for a fact that a lot of the people there, if not the vast majority, maybe didn't even know my name, right? Like at the end of the day, I, I knew and am quite aware of the reality of how that band came to be and like why we ended up on the Jimmy Kimmel show and all of that. But uh, at the same time, to be able to see some of the people who, again, were really impacted by the music and the band and, you know, really did care deeply about what we were doing, like that was incredible. And it made the whole thing incredibly worth it in that regard. Uh, and also, like I said, the learning experience, like being able to go to the Jimmy Kimmel show and like see what that kind of experience is like or those bigger festivals. Just, yeah, as an as educational experience it's not something you could ever learn mm-hmm. without actually doing it and so yeah it was, it was crazy i'll just sum it up by saying crazy honestly crazy might be one of the only words you can use to describe such a wonderful whirlwind and i want to find out just how you went ahead and met those crazy cunningham brothers you know the other two members of ludic We're even going to be spinning you another one of Ludic's songs so that you can get down and jam out to this amazing band. Once again, before we jump back into this conversation with the incredibly talented Ayla Tesler Mabe, before we get there, though, we just got to update you with all the cool happenings over at Desert Tiger. Have you guys headed on over to ilovedtp.com to check out all the new merch? I mean, you guys have probably already heard me mention the new hats, the new beanies. If you guys heard me mention that they're selling like wildfire and they're going to be out soon and we're going to have to be doing reorders. But unfortunately, reorders are probably going to take some time due to the COVID crisis. So if you're wanting to lock yourself down some DTP merch before they go back on reorder, the best way to do that is to head on over to ilovedtp.com right now and get yourself what you're looking for. Also, have you checked out our YouTube page over at Desert Tiger Ent? We've been releasing a vlog there recently, and this week we're gonna be releasing episode six of that vlog, and that's going to be a frequently asked questions slash AMA episode. Don't worry, don't worry, this is only gonna be part one of these. We're gonna be doing AMAs for a while, because you guys have a lot of fantastic questions. And if you guys want to send your questions in to get answered on one of those AMA episodes, one of those vlog episodes, you can send those on over to desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com. If you want to shout out, we can go ahead and do that. If you want to stay anonymous, that is also an option, and we will do that for you as well. All right, you guys, what do you say it's about time we got back into some Lou Dick? Because it is going down. It's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah, because it's time to party along to Want You. Thank you, God. 
got it, oh you think you got it, yeah you got it now, got it now Quantify your feelings, multiplying all the reasons to let it go, let it flow There ain't no rhyme, no reason to be uptight, I'm feeling You by my side, straight squeezing, holding me tight, heart's bleeding definitely see how it would be a whirlwind and even while some of this whirlwind is going on at some points you still manage to connect with the Cunningham brothers at a neighborhood jam session so tell me about how you ended up meeting mm-hmm. the other two members of Ludic yeah well funnily enough the concept for Ludic kind of started uh, way before the sort of Calpurnia thing happened uh, because I, up until that point, like I said, was playing with a lot of different people, just sort of jamming and trying to make things work. And I had two friends from school that I was playing in a band with. And it was like, it was really fun, but I, I wasn't sure that I'd found any people who were as serious about the whole thing as I was uh, in the sense that they wanted to like drop everything and like do music and, you know, devote themselves to this band and like we could grow together and all the good stuff. Uh, and so I had my wonderful musical mentor, Sammy, put up a, pace, a post on Facebook, just sort of talking about my situation, what I was looking for. And the Cunningham brothers' father reached out and told me a little bit about them. And I was very intrigued. So we jammed together for the first time at that neighborhood jam you mentioned. And it was just, it was amazing. And that was kind of like uh, early 2017 was when we first started, you know, trying to play music together. And it was just so cool because like I said, up until that point, when I was playing with people, it was always centered around, you know, like covers and learning other people's music. But almost immediately, Max and Rhett, they just wanted to jam and start writing. And like, I hadn't had that experience before. So it was like the chemistry was very apparent immediately because this was something unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life up until that point. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because usually a lot of artists will be like, oh, well, let's play something similar to what we think we want to make rather than just being like, well, I've already been practicing this music for years, so we already kind of know what the vein we want to go in is, so why don't we just go for it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly it. It's like, uh, I've definitely been in situations where some people had very set ideas about, you know, what they wanted things to be. And then that can be really stifling for 
creativity because then it's like if you have the end product in mind, then it becomes a game of how can we get to that destination? But then if we're just enjoying the process and we're not even thinking about, you know, where this could end up, then you kind of end up with the kind of situation which I think we're in now where we don't even really know how to describe our music in terms of like, oh, it's clearly this genre or it's clearly this genre. Like, I, I really don't know. And to me, that's so exhilarating as an artist and it's just very inspiring. And yeah. Well, truly paving your guys's own path with your own brand of uh alien motown i believe i saw it described <laughs> as somewhere so what is your guys's yeah. writing process like does one of you bring something to the table do they create a groove and bring it like is it just sort of natural where anyone can bring whatever they have yeah well a bit of both of those uh i mean it's truly a ludic experience because i mean that word actually is a word in the English language that basically means, you know, spontaneous and undirected playfulness. And it just sort of feels like that. Like either they'll start sort of like uh, jamming a groove or we'll start just sort of jamming collectively and see what happens. Or uh, lately, a lot of the songs have sort of come from one of us bringing in a more developed idea. And then from there, just sort of seeing what happens when we put it all together. And I, I love that experience of having a song that I bring in that's like, you know, a verse chorus idea and I'm sort of like sitting with it and I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty good about this. And then I bring it to them and instantly they're like, Hey, why don't we try it in this other groove and see what happens? And then immediately I'm like, Oh wow, this just added a whole other layer to the song and I love it. And it's just so cool. Mm -hmm, Cause sometimes you have to actually take those steps to see, well, I'm kind of thinking this and then someone else goes, Oh yeah, now I'm feeling that I can see where that can go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So when it comes to the lyrics, is there a chief lyricist or is that also a community feeling as well? Yeah, definitely community feeling. Uh, I mean, some songs or lyrics that I've written, like especially songs where like if I've come in with this idea, usually I'll have some lyrics to that and same with ideas that anyone else comes in with. There definitely are some songs that have been, you know, us sitting together and just coming together and seeing what we come up with. And like I said, it's sort of different for every song and it's just whatever feels right in the moment. Okay, awesome. How did you guys end up getting connected with your producer, Ryan Worsley? Oh, that was just a serendipitous, happy... Uh, I mean, it wasn't, I guess, an accident because I guess Ryan discovered us. Oh, I don't know. But anyway, the, the fact that it happened was just, uh, a gift from above, you know, he's allowed us to explore ourselves and just become exactly what we've wanted to become. And originally the idea was we we're going to record it ourselves. Uh, I have a studio set up at my home, but the Cunninghams do as well. And I think we were planning to record there and we actually sort of started that process. And then Ryan reached out because I think actually maybe it was a happy accident. He by chance stumbled into one of our shows and uh, we were playing at like the railway club or like some bar like that. And he caught the last bit of our set. And I think that's when he sort of found out about us. And then he reached out and we're like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Okay. And then it's just been like the perfect partnership and he's just an incredible collaborator for us to work mm -hmm. with. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely helping create that spontaneous, playful, energy so you guys finally get into the studio you finally start releasing music what has the feedback been like so far to you guys i mean honestly myself i might have to say you might be one of my new favorite bands but what is every what is the rest <laughs> wow. of the feedback been like wow well i mean again overwhelmingly positive i'll never take for granted the fact that there are people who actually listen to any music that I put out like that to me I can't even conceive of that like that's just it still seems so foreign to me that like I could put a song out and people will listen to it in their own time and actually form opinions on it and like that just it's crazy to me and uh yeah so humbled all of us are so humbled by you know some of the reactions and uh some of the I guess accolades like it was such a surprise 
Well, I mean, I'm not surprised for Ryan, but the surprise was um, when I think, yeah, the Junos were like, oh, we nominate Ryan for Engineer of the Year. And we're like, yeah, no surprise. Ryan deserves it. And then uh, with one of our songs. And when I read that for the first time, I was like, that is crazy. I cannot believe that. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, stuff like that feels surreal beyond anything else. <laughs> so yeah. No, it's pretty crazy how even if it's not necessarily you, Ludic, being like nominated, it is one of your songs, so you're associated with that moment, and that's pretty damn cool. For sure, yeah. I mean, the fact that we're able to work with, I mean, Ryan, who's obviously uh, amazing, and that in and of itself, I think the fact that there are people like that who are on our team you know, very willingly, uh, it's like they, they want to be there is maybe the greatest, uh, most humbling thing about it thus far. Uh, and I mean, it will continue to be for sure, but yeah, it's all very amazing. It takes my breath away. It's so exciting. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're excited about it. And one exciting thing is the guy, fact that you guys just released Love Me Like. Let's talk a little bit about that single, its creation process, a little bit about maybe the lyrics of the song. Yeah, sure. Well, that one, Max had some ideas for lyrics and a lot of those ideas you know, obviously have remained in the song. But that was definitely one where once we were in the studio, we all sort of reworked certain parts. And, uh, I mean, the idea of the song that Max had sort of begun was a song sort of about a one-sided relationship that was just clearly not healthy. You know, it's just your classic not healthy one-sided relationship story. And, uh, yeah, I think one of my favorite lines we're there. There's a line that uh, is like double thought. Think I've got it just because obviously the other person is very deceiving, you know, all that kind of thing. Though, of course, interpret the lyrics however you'd like to. But uh, that line sort of came about because we we're sitting there just thinking about that idea of like, Max is like, oh, what's that term from uh, 1984 by George Orwell? And I'm like, oh, I think it, uh, double thought sort of, you know, and we sort of like came up with that and we're like, oh, that's the perfect way to describe it, like that cognitive dissonance. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I have to say on that. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely love the lyrics too, because when you get hit with the energy of the song, and like at first you're like, oh yeah, it's a love song, and then once you actually like break it down and you like listen to the chorus, and it's like, love me like you never meant to, and it's like, oh wait, what? It's like, oh dang. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like songs that sort of, unravel as they go on and they sort of have uh layers that deepen as you hear more of the story i suppose okay awesome so of course unfortunately the release of the song is happening during a worldwide crisis so how has the uh situation affected your guys's release plan ah well that's a good question uh i mean I guess the song itself is going out uh, as planned in the sense that regardless of the situation, the song would be out on streaming platforms and all that good stuff. But yeah, we definitely uh, like to intertwine the music we put out with, you know, visual imagery. And so we love doing photo shoots uh, with our amazing creative producer, Ronnie, who takes these beautiful film shots of us and we've done a lot of those in the past and then obviously we couldn't do that now which is too bad so we had to do like iphone self-timer photo shoots in our own homes and then uh obviously we wanted to create a music video for it which clearly isn't going to happen now but uh yeah instead we thought that we would try to make do with the situation and make the best with what we had and so as a result the video that has come out now is I think a great reflection of you know some parts of the direction we wanted to go in for the video though obviously uh, very much making light of the fact that we can't do that now so it's just sort of like instead of us being able to go into a studio uh, and you know put up really cool lights and have you know 
uh, all of these cool costumes and makeup and that kind of thing. Uh, we're, you know, putting TikTok filters on us dancing in our basement. So, you know, <laughs> I guess uh, a compromise that's been made. But nonetheless, I think it still captures, uh, you know, what we were hoping to do with the song anyways, which is ultimately to put it out there and share it with people. So there you go. Yeah, and it definitely still, like, kind of fits, once again, that spontaneous playfulness energy, because even just with the filters and you guys dancing and getting down, once again, that's something that your (laughs) fans can, like, maybe get inspired to do their own video to, or maybe just decide to jump off of their couch and maybe, you know, give them just a little four-minute distraction while they bust out a groove and... I mean, I could only hope so. That would be, I think, the greatest possible outcome of this (laughs) whole thing. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Well, before I ask you my last question, Ayla, where can the listeners of the Desert Tiger podcast find out more about Ludic and Ayla Tesler Mabe? Ah, well... Uh, if you happen to be interested about me, though you don't have to be, but if you happen to be interested, uh, all you'd have to do is, I guess, Google my name, Ayla Tesla Mabe. I, I believe I'm the only Ayla Tesla Mabe in the world, so it should come up, you know, all of the stuff I've done. <laughs> and, yeah, just on whether it's YouTube or Instagram, or as of today, TikTok, I actually, I, I went there. Uh, you will find me. And with Ludic. Similarly, if you look up Ludic Official, Ludic Band, uh, we have a YouTube, we have an Instagram. We do have a TikTok as well now because we have realized that TikTok is kind of taking over the music industry as we speak. So you can find us there. And of course, all of our music streaming on all streaming platforms. And that's how I would answer that question you just asked. All right, fantastic. Yes, TikTok seems to be having its little revolution now that after a long time <laughs> of people saying and completely shooting it down and saying it's for little kids and now you see all sorts of people around there now. Yeah, it's only it's only bad if you make it bad. I mean, there are some really funny people on there. Like some of the comedians I really like are on there making funny stuff. So it's not just for lip syncing videos. <laughs> Definitely not. That's one thing I thought one day as I downloaded it and I saw that The Rock is on there and I was like, hmm, am I cooler than The Rock? No. Yeah. Okay, I, I can probably download TikTok then. Excellent. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I agree. Yeah. No one's cooler than The Rock. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Okay, so last question. Say somebody that is listening to this maybe is sitting at home. Maybe they've been having a guitar just sitting in the background, an instrument that they've been just letting collect dust after a few lessons. What would you say to that person to maybe help get them to pick those strings back up and to start learning once again? Mm, Well, firstly, I'll say because this unfortunately seems like the perfect opportunity to do so. I am teaching private lessons just in lieu of the touring and stuff that we're doing, uh, like on Lesson Face. If you found my Instagram or YouTube, you'd see the link there. But more importantly, because I think given the times we're in now, uh, finding something that you love and brings you joy is more important than anything, really. And I'd say the process of Starting something is by far the hardest part, but I I really do believe in exponential returns, especially when it comes to playing the guitar, because the amount of joy it has brought me and the amount of solace it's brought me in really difficult times of my life, uh, it's so worth it. And just being able to turn to music in those difficult times, which, I mean, obviously we're all universally in right now, I think would make your days brighter and I can only hope that other people discover the love of music that I've discovered because it's amazing. So all I'm going to say is if you want to play guitar or you even have the slightest inkling that you might want to, do it. You have to for yourself. You have to do it. That's what I would say to that question. Mm-hmm. And if you need a little bit of inspiration, just go check out Ayla's YouTube and watch all of her amazing videos and realize that She, too, once was letting her guitar collect dust. It's true. I was terrible. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so very much for joining me today, Ayla. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That track that you were just grooving to, you know, the one we literally just played. It is called Call Me. In the middle of the show, we played Want You. And we kicked off today's episode of the DTP with Ludic's brand new song, Love Me Like. You can find all three of these tracks as well as the rest of Ludic's catalog over on, yeah, you guessed it, your favorite. Music streaming service is that easy. When you're there, go ahead and hit follow so that you can stay up to date with when Ludic releases more music. You guys know I've already gone and done it because 
I wasn't kidding when I said this might be one of my new favorite bands. Their music is friggin' incredible. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ayla Tesler Ma Bay of Ludic here today. And I want to give one last roaring Desert Tiger podcast thank you to Ayla for joining us here today. I have to give a roaring Desert Tiger podcast thank you to Mackenzie and the team over at Strut Entertainment for hooking this conversation up. And I have to give one final last roaring Desert Tiger podcast. Thank you to you guys, the listeners, for, well, tuning in today. If you're new to the show and you want to find out what Desert Tiger's all about, why don't you go ahead and hit subscribe? Maybe you want to go ahead and review the show. Five stars would help us out a ton over on iTunes or Podchaser. I would be so very thankful to you. And, well, maybe you enjoyed this episode enough that you want to go ahead and share it on your social media. If you did, if you tagged either me, The Colton G, The Desert Tiger Podcast, or Ayla Tesler Mabe or Ludic, we would love that because then we can go ahead and show you the respects that you deserve for showing us some love, you know? Because that's how the circle works. Can you guys believe that we have released a hundred separate interviews here on Desert Tiger? We even released two app interviews here on May the 1st of 2020. Have you checked out our interview with Andrew Casera that we also dropped today? It is a fantastic listen that you should also go ahead and check out if you want to support the show so that we can make it for another 100 episodes. You can do so by heading on over to I Love DTP to rep some sick Desert Tiger podcast merch. And well, yeah, next week on the show, we are joined by Ezra Jordan as we talk all about his new EP, Cheap Therapy. He released it in April, and we're going to be giving you all the details and some because, you know, that's how we do it here on the Tiger. I can't wait to see you then. I hope until then that you guys stay happy, that you stay healthy, and that, well, you know, normally I say something like, go and find your mountain and climb to the top and let your voice sing. Right now, right now it can be very difficult to do that, to stay motivated in these moments, and that's okay, because I also like to say that when you're doing that climb, some rocks fall out from underneath you, sometimes you trip and you fall, sometimes you stumble. That's called adversity, and that's what we're going through right now. But adversity can help make us stronger, it can help us grow, and it can help us create beautiful things. So hopefully you create something beautiful out of something that a lot of people are considering negative. So until next week, bye-bye.